Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty, so you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. What's going on, guys? Hey, Love Tribe. Thanks for listening today. We hope you are maintaining your sanity, your health, 
and hanging in Mm -hmm. there. We are still holed up here in Costa Rica and we are definitely not complaining but the beaches are closed and restaurants, all, everything yeah, yeah. is closed. It's like a ghost town. Yeah. And um, we know a lot of people are really having uh, some serious hard times. So by no means are we complaining about being in this warm place during these times. But we are definitely confined to the house and dealing with everything as you guys are as well. And that's why we wanted to re-release today's episode with Dr. Denise Fournier, and she is a mindfulness-based psychotherapist and coach in Miami, Florida. And today we talk about dealing with anxiety, whether it's personal or helping your partner through it. And like Chase mentioned, we did put this out a couple of years ago, but there is so much valuable information that people can use in the relationship right now. If you are feeling anxious or stressed out due to COVID-19 and all the effects of it. And so we really encourage you to re-listen to it, even if you already have listened to it. I think my biggest takeaway from this episode that Denise talks about is breathing and how important it is to just breathe. We can all feel stressed out and overwhelmed, but taking a couple breaths can really make you feel grounded and hopefully feel a little bit better. And she gives us some exercises to do that. And you can just replace work with COVID-19 because a lot of times we give stories about work and being stressed out with that or kids and yeah, just insert this virus and you're going to have the same great tools and tactics to deal with this. And uh, we're thinking about you guys hang in there. We're all going to get through this. We appreciate you guys tuning in and listening and enjoy today's episode. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Denise. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Hi, thanks for having me. So why don't we start with defining what anxiety is and uh, then we could talk about how we can cope with it. Sure. Well, I guess it helps to start with a distinction. Um, There is, of course, a clinical form of anxiety, which perhaps is the way that many of us tend to think about anxiety or tend to talk about anxiety. There are a number of anxiety uh, disorders, if you will, or diagnoses that people might that people might be ascribed uh, for particular manifestations of anxiety that become barriers to their functioning. So that's one way we talk about anxiety is in terms of anxiety disorders or panic disorders and things of that nature where the anxiety becomes so overwhelming that a person might need to uh, take some medication for it or uh, implement certain kinds of things in order to be able to, to function. And that form of anxiety is not the only form of anxiety. In fact, most of us 
um, might not even recognize that we experience anxiety because we tend to think of it only in those sort of terms. Anxiety is really sort of a global experience at any point in our lives. All uh, Each and every one of us is likely to experience some form of anxiety, which is really a sense of uneasiness. Um, perhaps preoccupation with the future, sort of thinking about things that are on the horizon, anticipating uh, some negative event in the future, whether it actually pans out or not. This sort of hyper focus on the future or on things that need to be taken care of, on demands uh, that we anticipate needing to meet, and everything that comes along with that, which is usually, a, like I said, a sense of uneasiness, can even be sort of a sense of dread. Um, it can be associated with excessive thinking. It can also manifest as a physical experience, so feeling sort of agitated, feeling irritable, feeling tightness in the muscles, uh, changes in the breath, uh, all of these things that we might experience and we might call stress for example, can be forms of anxiety. And so it's really an experience that is familiar to most of us, whether or not we would classify it or have it classified as um, a clinical form of anxiety, if you will. After you mention all those different types of ways that are categorized as anxiety, I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, oh my gosh, do I do this or do I do that? And I feel like so many of those things are probably that a lot of people do on a regular basis and Mm -hmm. they don't even realize it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it makes sense. You know, we, we come about this very honestly. We live in times that are extremely demanding and we have a lot of pressure to perform in so many different domains of our lives, so many deadlines and so many roles that we need to play and it's ongoing. And when we have so much uh, to, to be aware of and to be on top of and to be responsible for, then it requires us to sort of be in our heads about it and making sure that we are meeting all of these demands. And naturally, if that's the way our attention is shaped because of the demands that are placed on us, we're bound to feel some of that and we're bound to exhibit some of those uh, signs of anxiety. So we want to talk about how to deal with it. But then before we get into that, it's pretty clear that when anxiety is is present, when we're thinking about the future, all of these things, it's going to negatively impact ourselves as individuals, but certainly our relationship. Is there anything that we should point out in that regard as far as it affecting the relationship before we talk about how to treat our anxiety? Well, sure. I mean, I'm sure that we will we'll touch on that as we go in talking about how to manage it. Because as you said, you know, it's a personal experience that inevitably impacts our relationships. So we, if we're experiencing anxiety, are not the only ones who are um, who are taking the hit, so to speak, of that and the negative impact of it. I would say that one of the most important things to point out in terms of how anxiety manifests in relationships is that it tends to look like reactivity. So we may not think about it in terms of anxiety when we're looking at how it plays out in a relationship, but certainly we can pinpoint where the reactivity is happening. And when I say reactivity, I'm talking about having sort of a short fuse, um, having really low tolerance uh, for things in the relationship, being uh, short with answers or being overly critical, overly demanding, 
not very receptive, um, more defensive than usual. All of those things that play out in a relationship are manifestations of anxiety from one or both people. And what tends to happen, and this is why it's so useful to talk about what can we do about it and to even have this conversation about anxiety in general, is that anxiety becomes like this hot potato that, you know, we it's so uncomfortable to feel anxiety that we tend to want to discharge that energy. And so we kind of displace it onto the people immediately available to us, usually our intimate partners or our family members. And our family members tend to absorb that um, anxiety and then it becomes their own. And so then they develop their own sort of reactivity or pick up uh, this sort of stress. And then they sort of want to discharge that energy and it goes somewhere else and they bring someone else in. Like maybe, you know, if there's a disagreement in the relationship, one of the partners might, you know, call his or her mother or call a friend and vent. And that's a form of discharging anxious energy that then the other person on the other side of the phone has suddenly absorbed and taken on as their own. So there's this real kind of contagion effect of anxiety. It becomes um, very, very contagious and becomes really widespread really quickly if we're not aware of it and aren't taking on the responsibility of managing it. When you were talking about some of the ways that people will really, I guess, have anxiety in their relationship, to me, some of it kind of sounded like stress. And just because, Mm -hmm. you know, Chase and I kind of have dealt, we've talked about this before, we've dealt with some stress in our relationship and then how it manifests in our relationship in a negative way, but maybe I just don't really know what the difference between stress and anxiety is. Can you tell the difference between the two for our listeners and for myself? Sure. And you're, you're wise to see that there is a lot of similarity between the two because they are very similar experiences. Like I said before, at the sort of clinical level, when we think about anxious people or people with anxiety, a lot of us are really thinking about people who have such chronic or crippling anxiety um, that they, you know, might need assistance for medication or something like that in order to even function. But that's not, as I said before, the only form of anxiety. A lot of us have this sort of low-lying anxiety and and that's part of our, our common experience. And that form of anxiety is very similar to stress. And one of the reasons why it's so similar to stress is because the same parts of the brain and nervous system are implicated in both. So the same parts of our brain are active when we're experiencing stress and when we're experiencing anxiety. The, the difference between the two is, is really negligible. The primary difference, if there is one, between what it's like to be stressed and what it's like to be anxious is that when we're anxious, our minds, our conscious minds are usually more involved in the activity. So stress is something that's going to happen naturally if we are, as we are in our modern day sort of circumstances, facing demands on our time or having to function at a really high level of activity for really extended periods of time and expending a lot of activity, expending, excuse me, a lot of energy in our day-to-day activities, um, the pressures of daily life and our professional lives and our family lives, all of that is going to bring about stress. Um, And we're going to feel that at a physiological level. Sometimes we're not that aware of how stressed we are, but our bodies are taking the score for how, uh, how much stress we have 
in our lives. But we can operate at a really high stress level without being totally conscious of it. Where anxiety, the difference when anxiety is happening is that our conscious minds tend to get hooked in and we tend to start to hyper-focus on what the things are that we need to get done. And we might tend to go down certain paths of thinking um, about what needs to get done and is it going to get done and what if this happens and what if this goes wrong and what if I don't meet that deadline and those sorts of anxious types of thinking that we're more present to, that we're more aware of, that we're more conscious of tend to be the thing that makes the difference between anxiety and stress. Otherwise, the two tend to be pretty much the same. Well, thank you for that distinction, and that's helpful. And I am particularly curious how to deal with anxiety because all of these things are resonating with me. I can definitely <laughs> be an anxious person. We've talked about it on the show in the past, in particular in January. It was like a hectic month for me with work, and I definitely brought that home into the relationship in a bad way. So let's talk about how we can confront this anxiety and learn to manage it. Yeah, great. Um, you know, you said something really important, which is that it started to manifest in a bad way. And I think that's really useful wording because the truth is there is a good side to stress and anxiety. As uncomfortable and unpleasant as it can be when we're not managing it well, it does serve an important function. There is a sweet spot, if you will, where a certain amount of anxiety or a certain amount of stress can actually serve us. Um, the fact that the two of you accomplish as much as you do and get as much done as you do, you can attribute in some part to anxiety because anxiety is what activates us, is what alerts us to the fact that there are things that need to be done. And it gives us that, it sort of propels us into action in this way that allows us to perform certain activities. Now, too little anxiety is going to make it so that we don't really put too much effort forth at all. And that may not necessarily be a good thing. And too much anxiety can be crippling. So it's really a matter of how do you utilize anxiety in such a way so that it can serve you and not be a detriment or a barrier to your life and uh, to your functioning. And so really the first step in managing anxiety is becoming aware of its presence, taking inventory of, you know, how am I functioning? What do I have on my plate right now? How am I feeling? What am I experiencing? And this is sort of an ongoing questioning that we engage in that helps us to develop a sense of awareness of ourselves in relationship to anxiety. So that's really step number one. Um, as, as you two know, and as, um, as your listeners might know, I consider myself a mindfulness-based therapist, which means that I utilize as a foundation of the work I do, um, as well as a foundation for my life, the practice of mindfulness, which is really about paying attention on purpose in the moment. This is step one of managing anxiety. If we're going to utilize anxiety for good, and we're going to manage it in a way that helps us to function optimally, we have to be present to what our experience is. So this is really the first step in managing it is noticing it and noticing how we're responding to it. So with that awareness, we can then determine 
is there a different way for me to respond to this that allows me to get done what I need to get done without all the negative side effects? Is it possible for me to meet this deadline, do what I need to do to take care of my responsibilities here and at home, and also be settled and grounded enough in my experience that I'm not feeling all of this discomfort and I'm not discharging this energy in negative ways onto the people around me. Um, so I don't want to be too long winded with my response. If there's, um, you know, if there's anything that either of you wanted to comment on, I, I could talk about this all day. Um, but really as a step one, that's really, that's really the first place where it all begins. And that's a lifelong body of work, that ongoing self-awareness to say, what am I feeling? Where is anxiety in my body right now? How am I relating to the pressures that are being placed on me? How am I relating to life right now? And then with that awareness comes the ability to take the next steps toward managing the anxiety. Those are all really helpful tips. And I like how you mentioned that anxiety can be good. There's a reason we have these emotions. And this is something that I struggle with as someone who's very type A, goal-driven, anxious, <laughs> that it can really motivate me, but then it can also be a detriment. So it is important to realize, like you said, being mindful of those feelings and then not completely discarding them and like we can't have those feelings but channeling them like you said and, and seeing how we can respond differently to them so instead of responding with short-temperedness towards your partner maybe it's like okay you're anxious about this project deadline being aware of it getting getting your emotions in check and then focusing that energy towards getting the job done or whatever it is that you need to do and easier said than done but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but it's a good distinction at least least for me, it can justify like, all right, I'm not broken because I have these feelings. There's nothing wrong with me. I just need to learn how to manage them and channel that energy better. Absolutely. And I, Chase, I love what you said, uh, you know, as you were talking about, you know, how can you utilize this and still perform and how does that play out in the relationship? You know, just that awareness could support, you know, just using you as an example, that awareness of what you've got going on, coupled with your desire to really, you know, stay at that high level of, of achievement and accomplishment and getting things done. If you're aware that this is causing you to feel anxious and you're present enough to be able to see that clearly, then the likelihood is that you can communicate that to Sarah or to other people in your life and invite them into supporting you, right? So anxiety gives us this sort of sense of urgency that sometimes may not necessarily be appropriate. We may not necessarily need to like act immediately. Like we can actually slow down and sort through our thoughts and say, okay, what do I want to do next? And when we can slow down, then we can see things a little more clearly and see, okay, maybe I don't need to get this all done at once. And maybe I can recruit my partner into supporting me. Maybe I can ask my partner, hey, can you watch the kids tonight so that I can, you know, take care of this manuscript or I can meet this deadline or whatever the case may be. That when we are aware, then we can be present. And when we're present, we can slow things down. And when we can slow things down, we can see clearly enough to invite other people into supporting us instead of just kind of getting into that rigid where we feel this sense of urgency to get it all done at once and ultimately just burn out and, and become overwhelmed. 
So how do we find that perfect middle ground? Are there any things that go on with our body or with our breathing or anything like that, that we can be assigned to us? Like, okay, this, this level of anxiety is good, but maybe I need to bring it down a little bit so that I can be more productive uh, in what I'm trying to accomplish. Let's take a break to talk about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Native. Native creates safe, simple, and effective deodorants that smell amazing and actually work. Their formula contains simple ingredients that you can understand and read so you know everything that is in your deodorant. Native is aluminum-free and it's also vegan and never tested on animals. Native has over 10 scents for men and women, including their classic scents like our personal favorite, coconut Mm, and vanilla. Smells so good. Yeah. (laughs) Plus rotating seasonal scents, so you're guaranteed to find one you love. They also offer an unscented formula and a baking soda-free formula for those with sensitivities. And Native is also super excited, and so are we, for the relaunch of their toothpaste line. Just like their deodorant, there is only good ingredients, none of those chemicals or parabens. And they use a special blend of naturally derived cleansers, flavors, and whiteners to deliver a great brushing experience. They have two minty flavors with the option of fluoride or fluoride-free that will leave your teeth whiter and fresher than ever before. And if you're still not convinced, (laughs) check out the over 9,000 five-star reviews from happy customers who made the switch to Native. Try Native risk-free with free returns and exchanges in the U.S. For 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code IDO20 during checkout. That's nativedeodorant.com and use promo code IDO20 at checkout. Today's episode is also brought to you by Feels. Sarah and I try to live a very healthy and active lifestyle from the food we eat to getting outside, playing sports. Sarah's learning tennis. She's whooping my butt. (laughs) And we are always striving to live our best life. And one way to live your best life is to not feel stressed and anxious. And a lot of us have been feeling that extra stress lately with a lot of these health issues and the coronavirus. And one way to feel less stress is through CBD oil. I found that the CBD oil is really helping me sleep better at night, feel less stressed, and Feels is premium CBD delivered straight to your door. It is a natural way to reduce stress, anxiety, and sleeplessness, and there's no high hangover or addiction. And if you're new to CBD, Feels offers a free CBD hotline with real human support to help guide you through the discovery process. Join the Feels community and get your CBD delivered to your door every month. You'll save money on every order and you can pause or cancel your membership at any time. Become a member and get 50% off your first order by visiting feels.com slash I do. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash I do to become a member and get 50% off your first order. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really great question. Um, Anxiety lives in the body as much as it lives in the mind. So as I said before, there are certain lines of thinking that tend to be associated with anxiety, which, you know, we can talk a little bit about and which are useful to be aware of. 
But by and large, anxiety is a physical experience. And there are a lot of signs of anxiety that as we become attuned to them can become our signal to, okay, let me tune in and let me take care of myself so that I can get that, get back to that sweet spot and still perform optimally without becoming overwhelmed. So some of those physical signs of anxiety are increased heart rate. That's a big one. Um, Changes in breathing. That's another big one. A lot of us don't realize it, but we're really bad at breathing. We're really, really bad at breathing. We breathe just enough to keep ourselves alive, but not enough to function optimally. And so what tends to happen, particularly, it happens normally, but it tends to happen, especially when we're anxious, is we sort of stop breathing. We, we're holding our breath. We're not getting the full fullness of the breath. We're breathing shallowly. We're breathing just sort of only in the chest. And we're not getting that deep, rich, oxygenating breath that helps us to think clearly and to respond rather than react. So some of the entry points for noticing anxiety in the body are the heart rate, the breath, and the muscles. When we're anxious, we tend to create rigidity in our muscles. We tend to tighten our muscles in particular places. So we might clench our jaw. We might put a lot of pressure uh, behind our eyes. We might sort of like scrunch our eyebrows together and have this like, you know, really tight uh, muscle tension around that area behind our eyes and around our forehead. Uh, We might clench our shoulders and kind of bring our shoulders up to our ears. We might be clenching our thigh muscles. We might be clenching muscles all throughout the body without even realizing that we're doing it and creating this sort of muscle rigidity um, that later translates into fatigue. Later, our body gets really tired because it's engaged in this sort of tightening, restricting activity all day long. So those are places that we can notice and sort of scan our bodies for on a regular basis that will be the indicator, as you said, Sarah, that, okay, this is a good time to check in. How can I check in right now and soothe myself so that I can step back into that sweet spot and still perform without experiencing the discomfort of anxiety? So those are the big places that I invite people to check for. And that's a simple adjustment. So if you're aware of it and you see that you're clenching your jaw, for example, which is a really common one for anxious people, you can invite relaxation there, separate your teeth, separate your tongue from the roof of your mouth and just sort of relax into that space. And with your mind's eye and with your intention, just send relaxation to that part of your body. And that makes a big difference and actually sends the signal to the rest of your body that it's okay to relax. This is a time for relaxation, right? It's same thing. It's just intentionally lowering your shoulders sends that signal of relaxation throughout the rest of your body inviting deeper breaths, which I invite people to do on a regular basis. Set a reminder on your phone to check in with your breath multiple times a day. And when that reminder goes off, take three deep belly breaths, filling your belly with air, sending the breath all the way up through your body and inviting that relaxation and also that revitalizing oxygen to your cells, to your organs, that's going to help you to still function in that sweet spot while at the same time relaxing and removing some of that edge of anxiety. So those are, those are really the big ones. The other one to notice, Sarah, is the 
anxiety experience tends to also operate at the level of the mind. And when we're anxious, we tend to be really cluttered in our thinking. We tend to have a really hard time thinking clearly because a lot of stuff is going on in the brain that's making it difficult for us to do that. So if you notice that your thinking is kind of cluttered or you're not very clear or you're sort of jumbled in your thoughts or your thoughts are racing or there's a lot of like confusion in your experience, that's also a good time to step away from what you're doing and just focus on breathing into the moment, connecting, grounding yourself, taking a moment to yourself and checking in to see how you're doing. It's amazing how our physiological responses to anxiety, the clenching and everything can can develop, but in the same way how we can intentionally create a physiological response such as breathing deeply to counteract that when when we've talked about this before on the podcast but even while you were talking about breathing I just took a couple deep breaths in through my nose and it just you feel better like immediately totally it is the most effective remedy for anxiety is is breathing and you know there's a there's a sort of shorthand for distinguishing depression from anxiety that um, I, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of my colleagues use and I tend to sort of use it playfully as well as, you know, depression is the feeling that something bad has happened. Anxiety is the feeling that something bad is about to happen. And so, you know, just to invite depression in for the purposes of this, like our experience of depression is in relationship to the past usually. And our experience of anxiety is in relationship to the future. So anxiety lives in this anticipation of the future and depression lives in this dwelling over the past. And so the immediate sort of entry point of the remedy for these is the present moment. Because when we're present in our experience right here and now, we tend to be okay. So our breath is this vehicle that brings us into our bodies, into the here and now, into the moment, so that we can be where we're at and be okay. Because most of the time in the present moment, we are okay. And along similar lines, our five senses can do the very same thing. So just as, you know, Chase, you took those couple of breaths and it automatically just kind of brought you into this this different sort of energy space, we can do that with our five senses as well. So unhooking from the thoughts in our minds, unhooking from whatever might be around us or demanding of us in the moment and connecting to the sense of sight and just sort of scanning the environment, looking around, closing our eyes, connecting to the sense of smell, connecting to the sense of sound, touch, smell, taste, and rooting ourselves in what's my experience here and now. And neuroscience research shows that we can't simultaneously be thinking conscious thoughts and connected to our five senses at the same time. So that, what that means is that if we're connecting to our five senses in the moment, we're giving our minds, our anxious minds, a break. And we're creating that bridge to the present moment that allows us to really settle in, relax, and alleviate that anxiety. I have a short mindfulness meditation that I listen to sometimes. And one of my favorite parts is, is just in the beginning when they're talking you through, you know, bodily awareness and start at your head and you work your way down to your toes. And you mentioned this as just relaxing your jaw, unclenching your jaw, relaxing your face muscles. Like we carry so much of our stress and anxiety and emotions like 
in our bodies that and just having that present state awareness to breathe through it and yeah like it sounds weird like relax your eye muscles like the back of your eyes but if you do it and like don't do it if you're driving right now or anything but (laughs) if you do it in the morning you know when you're relaxing and maybe doing a meditation it really is a, a profound way to to center yourself and just be present and start your day off well or to do it maybe before you interact with your partner. And this is something that that you mentioned in uh, one of your articles as a way to deal with anxiety is taking your time when you respond. So we have all these emotions or it might not even be anxiety, but we're like in an argument with our partner. And rather than just being so reactive all the time, just being present and take time to think about how you're going to respond. Take time to let the anxiety of your workday subside, breathe through it, and then interact with your partner. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm really glad you invited that in because as you were talking about the meditation and how effective it is to just take even just, even if it's not a formal meditation, even just 30 seconds to tune in and breathe and relax how, you know, just as anxiety is infectious and contagious in its own way, relaxation is also. And so, you know, if we are focused inwardly on managing our anxiety, the likelihood is that we're going to get better outcomes and better results in our interactions with our partners because our partners are going to respond in kind. We're always mirroring each other and we're always providing a reflection for each other in our relationships. So, taking responsibility for our own anxiety and for managing that anxiety, for really just taking responsibility for our own internal experience and how we manage that goes a long way in our exchanges with our partners and our interactions with our partners. So this idea of shifting from reactivity to responsiveness is a big one. You know, it's in the context of anxiety or really just within the context of relationships in general. It's something I talk about a lot with the individuals and the couples I work with, you know, reactivity is quick to answer. It's rigid. It's, it can be defensive. It can be combative. It is instinctive and there's not much conscious deliberate thought involved in it. And when we're anxious and we're not guarding that anxiety and not managing it, we're very likely to operate from reactivity and that reactivity becomes contagious and again is likely to incite reactivity from our partner and then off we go and and then there's conflict and then there's disagreement and then there's you know difficulty meeting each other and and finding resolution and connecting and the remedy for that or the inverse of that is responsiveness so it starts responsiveness starts at the individual level it starts with both partners both individuals doing the work of checking in on a regular basis and doing that, you know, personal management that we've been talking about. So, you know, with, with my partner, I have through my own, you know, process and practice of mindfulness developed the ability to sort of notice when I am no good for a conversation with my partner. And on my best days, I don't always do it so well on my best days. I say, Hey, can we, can we revisit this later? I need a minute. I need to like check in. I need to take care of myself. And then I promise you this conversation is important to me. Let's come back to it because I know in the moment that my partner's approaching me, 
I'm in the space of reactivity and we're not going to get too far. But if I can take that moment to turn inward and give myself that space, then I'm much more likely to be responsive. And what I found in my relationship, and I see it with the couples I work with, is as I said before, relaxation is contagious also. So if I tell my partner, hey, I'm taking a minute for myself to turn inward so I can be really responsive to you in this conversation, he ends up doing the same thing. And I see this happen with the couples I work with. When one person says, hey, I need to take a minute for myself so that I can really listen and be present to you and be responsive to you, their partner ends up taking the time to do the same thing so that when both come together, there's a receptivity and there's a connectivity about the exchange that really supports, you know, conversations happening effectively. And, and so, you know, that responsiveness shift happens when each person turns inward and takes on the responsibility of self-soothing and centering and grounding so that when conversations happen or when exchanges happen in the relationship, both individuals are fully present for them and fully receptive. And a lot more can happen by way of conversation and by way of conflict resolution and by way of, you know, connection when both people are holding that space. It's such a valuable shift to be able to go from reactivity to responsiveness. I think in a relationship, it's, I don't want to say this, there's, it's not the single most important thing, but it's something that just personally in relationships with, with everyone, with your kids, with your partner, with your coworkers, <laughs> siblings, is if we can take that time to be mindfulness and to not react to things just with our emotions, which it's often blind. It's we, we go back mm-hmm. to these things that were created when we were a toddler in, in our responses that we're not even thinking. And more often than not, it's not going to be productive. So it, it's such a valuable tool to, to improve all areas of your relationship and just to help yourself and to not be so anxious and, and just navigate your life uh, in a much easier way. Yeah, absolutely. Imagine if we were all doing it. And, you know, like you said before, it's free and it just takes a couple of minutes and it goes a long, a long, long way in our relationships. And, you know, if we think about our relationships as mirroring us back and we're all just sort of mirroring each other, then the changes we make internally make a big difference in shifting our environment and shifting our experience of life. And that sort of becomes reinforcing in its own way. So it tends to make us want to do it more. And if we all sort of take that on, it can make big changes, even global changes to not be too grandiose. (laughs) No, it's not. And and it is so true. And one of the things I want to talk about before finishing up, and this could be a whole other podcast, but it's something that that I'm personally interested in, and that is nutrition and how that it can affect our anxiety and our mood, in particular, uh, caffeine. So I feel like when I when I drink coffee, I get more anxious, I get more irritable. And so I looked it up and yeah, a lot of it it can manifest itself by increasing your heart rate, making you feel um, more anxious. Is this something that that you try to address? Gosh, that is excellent. And I'm really glad you 
you brought that up and I agree completely that this could be a really great entry point. I absolutely do address this with people and I address it at the level of lifestyle ultimately and taking a general inventory. And there are a lot of ways that we can do this of, you know, how the things that we are doing and the things that we are consuming influence the way that we are responding to life. And caffeine is a big one, um, particularly you know, in office environments, there's, you know, office environments tend to be very, very anxiety driven places. Um, you know, one, because of the demands, of course, and the nature of uh, the workplace in general, but another because, you know, people tend to be serving themselves multiple cups of coffee a day, tend to be sitting at the desk with shoulders up to the ears, staring at a computer screen all day long. And all of this has an effect on our functioning, whether, you know, we're conscious of it or not. I have lots of clients who used to work in office settings and then became entrepreneurs and only then noticed, man, what a difference, you know, what a difference in terms of how I'm functioning um, because of all of these different factors and just being around other people's energy all day long without taking a moment to turn inward and unplug for a minute and check in and get grounded. So there's a lot of things. Um, nutrition is a big one. The kinds of foods we're eating are going to, you know, cause us to have crashes throughout the day to be uh, excessively energized in a way that might be scattered and unfocused and then, you know, resulting in a big crash that makes it really difficult for us to focus then also for different reasons. Um, so food is a big one. Another one is sleep. Um, if we have not gotten proper rest, if we haven't uh, slept enough hours, and now thankfully there's a big revolution going on about sleep. Um, Ariana Huffington's book is is an excellent one, um, and there are others out there about you know how important it is for our brains and our bodies and our nervous systems for us to get adequate sleep, um, to have a balance between activity and rest. Uh, so you know if we work in a in a sedentary sort of way, then it's really important to implement some form of activity to expend some of that energy. Um, spending time outdoors is a big one. And so if our day doesn't provide for that, that's a place for us to really look into how we might be able to do a little bit more of that. So there are a lot of lifestyle things that absolutely will contribute to either um, excessive anxiety or a better ability to manage it. And that's a great place to start. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Chase. And I agree that could be its own, its own podcast uh, because it's, it's such a, a rich uh, and complex topic in and of itself. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to have you back on and, and we'll dive into that. You've given us a lot of great advice to start with and, and even that tidbit on lifestyle. And I do think that's extremely important because if you are tired and over caffeinated, then dealing with your anxiety is going to be that much harder from a from a physiological standpoint. So it's, uh, it's certainly a part of this conversation that is important. So we want to thank you so much for coming on the show today, Denise. So why don't we finish up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online and then we'll say goodbye. Great. Great. Thank you so much, Sarah and Chase for having me. I love the podcast. I love the work you're doing. And for everybody listening, you can find me online on my website at www.evergreen-therapy.com. I'm also a regular blog contributor to psychology today. So you can check out my blog. It's called mindfully present, fully alive. And you can catch me on Instagram as Evergreen Therapy and on Facebook as Evergreen Therapy Miami. 
Perfect. Well, all those links will be on your show notes page on our website at idopodcast.com. And our listeners know to go there to check out all your great resources from today's interview. So thanks again. And we look forward to having you back on the show. And uh, we appreciate you coming on. It was lovely. Thanks for having me. Hi, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, We also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, We encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, we are all here for each other. Um, The group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook love tribe fam and you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course, spark my relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more as always thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week you are listening to a pleasure podcast For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.